It is kind of a, a unique experience, though, because Wednesday night I, I, I kept looking from spot to spot and I'd see people. So now I, now I know how pastor feels, you know, the perspective of looking out at, you know, you're taught when you speak publicly to look right into the eyes of people, but I was looking at the eyelids of people Wednesday night. It was kind of, that was a curveball. I'd never seen that before. Well, you do pray for Pastor. I, I always appreciate him giving me, trusting me to turn the pulpit over to me. I, I don't ever feel adequate, but uh, I do what the Lord gives me to do, and, and I try to do it to the best that he's empowered me to do it. I also want to thank Brother Moline. Uh, this program that we sang this week is one of the longest programs we have. Uh, it has a lot of music in it. And uh, it's, it's, I, saw him, I saw him trying to climb out of that chair right there after the offertory. He was getting up there. And you're also taught, you know, in public speaking and things like that, you're taught not to, not to have dead air time because it makes people uncomfortable. So usually after an offertory or something, I, I try to leap out of my chair and I start talking on my way to the pulpit so there's no dead air time, you know, and that's what I noticed. I heard him getting up saying, Amen. <laughs> But I love you, Brother Bowling. Appreciate you uh, very much. All right, well, we're going to get into the Word of God here, so take your Bibles with me. Turn to Romans chapter 6. I intend to be brief today. So you, uh, you, you, you don't have to watch the clock. I promise you I'll be done by 1230. So don't worry about that. Romans chapter 6. Let's stand as we read together from Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Let us pray. Father, we do indeed praise you and thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are so grateful today that you have called us unto repentance. And we thank you for the grace that you've given us. And we thank you for the mercy that you show us from day to day. Now, Holy Spirit, as we gather in this place, I pray that you would quiet our hearts, and that you would open our minds, and that we would hear the truth, and in hearing, we would gladly receive, and that you would send us forth from this place, walking in the newness of life, glorifying God in all that we do and all that we say. Thank you for this time together. I pray now that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My message this morning is entitled, The Believer's Walk. I began a, a message Wednesday night entitled, The Character of a Saint. 
And in, in that message, we will, which we will conclude this coming Wednesday evening, we're trying to, uh, I was attempting to show us uh, the characteristics of a Christian, how a Christian should behave, how a Christian should live their life. Well, this morning is a bit of an extension of that study, and it's entitled The Believer's Walk. So I want to just take a few moments today, and I want us to consider the walk of the believer. Of course, we must understand that the word walk, as, as used in Scripture, refers to the manner of life of an individual. It, it refers to the course of the life that we pursue. Now, the Bible describes the natural or the unregenerate man as one who walks in, in, in different ways than the believer For instance, the the natural man, the unregenerate man, walks in darkness. The scriptures tell us that they they prefer the darkness because their deeds are evil. And evil does not like the light, so they prefer to walk in darkness. The Bible also tells us that the natural man walks in unbelief. And this is because they, they cannot see God, and so they say, if you can't show me God, I won't believe in God. The natural man walks in the lust of the flesh because they are subject to the flesh. As we read just, just a, a moment ago, um, we, don't, we don't obey the flesh any longer. We did, but once we are saved, we, we no longer are subject to the flesh. But natural man is subject to the flesh. Therefore, they walk in the lusts of the flesh. The Bible tells us that the natural man walks in rebellion. And this is because they believe not the report of the prophets. They believe not the word of God. They believe not the message of the gospel. Therefore, they walk in rebellion against God. The Bible also tells us that the natural or the unregenerate man walks in the spirit of the Antichrist because they are the children of darkness. They are the children of the devil himself. Now, these pursue a course of life that is referred to in the Bible as abominable under the Lord. Theirs is a walk of selfishness. It's a walk of self-centeredness. It is a walk of strife and variance. It is a walk of vanity. Now this morning, as I speak, I am addressing two groups of people. I'm addressing, perhaps this morning, those who are unregenerate those who are still in their natural state, have not been born again, do not know the Lord as Savior. And I'm speaking to those who are children of God, those who are part of the election of grace. So first this morning, allow me to take just a few moments and address those who know not Christ, those who are not of his sheep. To those of you today who are not saved, who do not know the Lord as your Savior, I can only offer one message and I can only offer you this morning one word of encouragement in Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 10 we read but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, the only message I can offer those of you today who are not born again is this. 
that you face a great dilemma. For in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And of course, by life, we're referring to eternal life. We're referring to heaven. If you're sitting here this morning and you are not saved, you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you do not have the Son, then you do not have life. You may not fill all of the characteristics of the unregenerate man. You may not live in darkness. You may not live in necessarily live in unbelief. You may say, I, I believe in God, but James tells us that the devil believes also and trembles at his name. You may say, well, I don't, I don't live after the lust of the flesh. I don't, I don't live in rebellion. I, I don't live in the spirit of the Antichrist. Alas, it matters not, because he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Life is in the Son. Life is in, found in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. He is the only way to eternal life. In John chapter 14, we read, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The lake of fire will be filled with what you and I may call good people. The lake of fire will be filled with people who are religious people who are zealous in in what they do in the name of religion. But you see, these things are not adequate because he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. You don't go to heaven because you are religious. You don't go to heaven because of works, good works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Many people attend churches every Sunday and, 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 and throw lots of money in the plate in hopes that their, that their charity, that their generosity will earn them a place in heaven, that, that they'll do this and these things will outweigh the bad things in their life. But you don't get to heaven because of your wealth. In Matthew chapter 19, we read, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever tried to thread a needle? I can't thread a needle. I wouldn't even want to try to thread a camel through there. But it's not by wealth. And it's not by wisdom either. You may say, well, I know a lot of things. I mean, I'm I'm pretty smart. And and I know some scripture. Boy, I know scripture. Yeah, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolishness, uh, foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
No, I have but one message to those of you this morning who are not saved. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you hear the voice of the Lord calling unto you today? Do you feel the pull at your heart from the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 10, Jesus stated, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Do you hear the voice of Jesus today? Do you feel that pull at your heart? Then answer that call without delay. For in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, we read, For he saith, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Solomon tells us not to boast about tomorrow, for we do not know what a day may bring forth. James said, Your life in, in perspective of eternity is like a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. So those of you this morning who do not know Christ as Savior, my message to you is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But then this morning, I'm addressing those who have been born again. You have heard the voice of the Lord and have answered that call. However, some of us here this morning have lost your first love. Church no longer draws you as it once did. Serving the Lord no longer appeals to you. The fellowship of the Lord no longer interests you. You've become complacent in your walk with God. You are apathetic about spiritual things. You have even become tolerant of unrighteous attitudes and unrighteous actions. To this group this morning, I would like to remind you of the admonitions of Scripture regarding the believer's walk. So first this morning, I want to say this. Believers are to walk worthy of their Lord and King. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we read, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to walk worthy of the Lord. My father once told me this. I said, I can't leave you much, but what I can give you is a good name. But it's up to you to keep it that way. My father handed me down the heritage of our family, of his father and of his grandfather and of his great-grandfather. And it's my responsibility now to take that family name and, and to keep it with integrity. Each of us here today as children of God have the responsibility to live our life in such a way as to glorify God in everything we do. We are to walk worthy of the Lord. This, to me, implies that I am to live my life in and of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.16, 
we read, I, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then in the next few verses, Paul breaks down those works and he categorizes them into three different categories. I want to share those with you now and I want us to consider in our own hearts and minds, are we walking worthy of the Lord our God? The first category he gives us is sexual sins. In Galatians 5.19, we read, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Behaviors such as these will bring shame to any family. I can only imagine the, the, the hurt and disappointment of my father if I behaved this way. And I have to state to you, tonight or today that that this world is consumed with lust it's everywhere on the tv in the programs you watch on the commercials if you watch a sporting event the commercials are filled with 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 seductive and 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 and, and terrible things even the cartoons today you watched a cartoon lately? We live in a world that is obsessed with sex. And it is beginning to permeate the people in God's church. And we must be cautious as as God's children. We must walk a life that's worthy of the Lord. We We must be careful what we watch. We must be careful what we say. We must be careful what we handle. We must be careful where we go. I used to sing a, a bus song with the little kids and we'd sing it. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. And we'd, we'd go all the way down. Oh, be careful little tongue what you say. And we go right down the line. And we may say, well, that's kind of silly, but you know what? It works. We're to walk worthy of our Father. We're not, to, we're not to behave in such a manner. But then, secondly, his second group is those of spiritual sins. Galatians 5.20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Idolatry, what is this? Worshiping false gods or images. Witchcraft is incantations, conjurings, etc. The holy mass. Say, oh, did I talk about Catholics? Well, they've got my family in traps, so I'm going to talk about them. The, the offering of the Mass is the most heretical thing done on the face of the earth. Hatred, what is that? Uh, that that's, that's hating people. That's your, hating your enemies, your neighbors, even hating your brethren. Variance is contentions. Emulations, that's jealousy and slander. Wrath, is, that's, that's thinking evil of people. Strife is perpetual hatred. Seditions, that's just divisions and schisms and factions. Heresies is false or corrupted doctrines. Spiritual sins. These are the works of the flesh. And if you and I are not careful, we fall victim to these works. So we see um, sexual sins, we see spiritual sins, and thirdly, we see social sins. In verse 51 of Galatians, envyings, murders, drunkenness, 
revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These behaviors do not epitomize a child of God. In fact, they are the behaviors of those who will never see the Lord, who will never see heaven. So let me ask you, should you and I as God's children, should we behave in such ways? Should we possess such works in our, in, our, in our lives? My answer is no. But look at the next verse. Galatians 5, uh, 22 through 24, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. These are the works of, of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice in, in that verse, in verse 22, it says, but the fruit, singular. You can't break this fruit, this, these works down and, and, and claim to be, to be spirit-filled in your life. You must possess them all. And this can only be done by a disciplined walk, by learning and growing in grace and submitting ourselves to the Lord and living a life, walking worthy of the Lord our God. So first, believers, believers are to, to walk worthy of the Lord their God. Then secondly, believers are to walk in faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, we read, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith is essential if we are to please God. For in, Roman, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 we read, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If God's word is true, and it is, and if it is impossible to please him without faith, faith, and it is impossible to please him without faith, then how can we walk in faith? What can we do to demonstrate that faith in our, Christ, in our life? Well, let me give you three things real quick. First, walk in hope. And Hebrews chapter, our Hebrews chapter 11 begins by telling us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Walk in hope. In other words, be an, be an optimist. Don't be a pessimist. Live your life in hope. The hope of, of, of Christ's return. The, the hope of eternal life through faith in, in Jesus Christ. Walk in hope. Live your faith. But not only do we walk in hope, but secondly, we walk in confidence. Walk in confidence. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, For the which cause, Paul writes, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul walked in confidence. He, 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 he believed, he knew who he trusted, and he had confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confidence is free from doubt, and it is based upon trust. Do you trust God today? 
You know, most Christians live their life like they don't trust God. They believe, well, I got to I got to move over here or I got to go I got to go here or oh, I can't I I can't I have to do this or I have to do that. You know, Elimelech did that. Elimelech didn't have confidence in God. And when hard times came to Bethlehem, what did Elimelech do? What did he do? He moved his family to Moab. He heard that there was jobs in Moab. So he decided he was going to take his his sons and his wife and go to Moab. Just for a little while, by the way. He was only going to... He was only going to sojourn there. He was just going to go camp out, make enough money to pay his bills, and then come home. Well, how many times have I heard that? Well, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to make a bunch of money. Now I'll come back, and I'll be able to pay off all my bills. Yeah, that's what Elimelech said, but what said? But what happened? He didn't just sojourn. Matter of fact, he died there. And his two sons married outside their faith, and they died there too. And Naomi was left alone with her two daughter-in-laws. Some, some people say, yeah, but look at, the, look at the beautiful thing that happened. Ruth was, came into the family and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? The Lord would have made that happen in his own time, in his own way. But what did Elimelech do? He lost his faith. Do you, do you trust God? Well, if you trust him... Then, then believe he has you where he wants you and just keep serving him and don't worry about all the other stuff. Just trust the Lord. He has a net under you, by the way. You can't see it, but it's there. And he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's faithful to provide you all you need. And that's the key word, need. He meets your needs, not your desires. You know... You can live on ground beef just as easily as you can on T-bone steak. Now, me, I love spam. Spam is just the best stuff ever invented. I don't know what's in it, and I don't want to know what's in it because I love it. I love it fried. I love it just like right out of the can. I love spam. But sometimes the Lord gives me better than spam, and I love that too. You see, we've got this idea that God isn't faithful to us or God isn't good to us unless we have everything we believe we need to have. But you need to remember who's the fool. And it's not God. It's me. We need to just learn to trust the God. Walk in confidence. Start living your life in victory. Trusting God to do all the things he has promised to do and stop living in fearful doubt. And then let her see where to walk with expectations. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Did you notice in there, he didn't say that I hope he'll give me? Did you notice that? He said that I shall that he shall give me. Paul lived his life with expectations. Now, these are the words of a man who who has expectations. He expected to die. 
He expected to be caught up in the glory with the Lord, and he expected to be rewarded for his work. And that's how we are to be. We are to walk in expectation. I'm looking forward to that day, and I expect it to happen. Maybe not the rapture. I may have to go through the grave, but I, I know, I expect to awaken on the shores of glory. I expect to be, to be carried by, by angels to the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Those are my expectations. And these things will help us. These things will help us to walk worthy of the Lord. When we understand, we believe, and we trust them. But then, lastly this morning, number three, believers are to walk in obedience. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, we read, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, we live in a world today that says truth is relative. We live in a world that says, well, right and wrong are matters of perspective. We live in a world that says, if it feels good, do it regardless of the consequences. Honesty, truth, integrity, these are words that have lost their true meanings. They have been replaced with words such as situational ethics or moral relativity. However, what Samuel said to Saul is still true today. God delights in obedience above sacrifice. And he delights in those who obey him. Now, what does obedience bring to our daily life? Let me give you three thoughts and we'll be done. First, obedience brings happiness. John 13, 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Obedience brings happiness. Think back to when you were a child. Didn't you, didn't, didn't it make you happy to obey mom and dad? It was sure a lot better than disobeying mom and dad, wasn't it? Disobeying mom and dad never brought anything but pain and sorrow. But obeying mom and dad made you happy. I see it in, in, in the kids in school. When they do something right, oh, man, they're, they're just so happy. It's great. Obedience brings happiness. When we obey the Lord, we are, we are, we are happy. We are satisfied. You will never be any happier in your life than when you are in obedience to God the Father. This trickles back to what I was talking a few moments ago about trusting God. I have people tell me, I can't afford to tithe. Let me tell you, you can't afford not to tithe. Because God's blessings come with obedience. And by the way, it's just not fair not to tithe. Don't pay your taxes. Go ahead, don't pay your taxes. Uncle Sam is going to get his money by hook or by crook, but he's going to get it. Don't pay your utility bills. I just can't, call PG&E and say, I just can't afford to pay you this month. Okay. Well, call us back when you can. 
That's it. You, you got no more power. You know, God is gracious enough that he still feeds you. He still clothes you. He still gives you air to breathe, the sun to warm you. Who's, who's at fault here, us or God? You see, obedience brings happiness. It also brings blessings. So let us remember to be obedient. Number, letter B, obedience brings peace. Got real quiet when I started talking about tithing. Letter B, it brings peace. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 14? Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now the term friend the, the counteracts the term enemy, right? Who, do we, who are we at war with? Our friends or our enemy? Usually you're at war with your enemy. So if you do what Jesus commands you, if you obey him, then the logical reason is you're at peace with the Lord. You're his friend. And obedience to the words, of, to the commands of the Lord brings peace. And then lastly, let us see, it brings contentment. Contentment, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Obedience brings contentment, satisfaction, acceptance. Learn to, be, learn to be obedient to the Lord, and God will give you those things in your life that you need, and contentment will follow that. Learn to be content. Be content with your spouse. Be content with your job. Be content with your children. You know, I've actually, I've actually, I've actually had people tell me, I wish my children were never born. Well, shame on you. Children are a gift from God. Happy is the man, the Bible says, whose quiver is full. We just need to learn to be content. We need to stop thinking that we're better than we are. And you know, that's usually why people are, are, are uncontent, discontented. is because they think they deserve more. Bigger, better. We just need to learn to, to be content. And obedience to God and his word brings contentment. So let us learn to be obedient in all things. Now time doesn't allow me to discuss all of the different admonitions from scripture concerning the believer's walk. I, I just don't have time to do them all. It would probably take me a month of sermons to, to be able to talk in detail about every command we have. On, on how the believer is to walk in Scripture. But I do pray that what I gave you this morning will, will cause you to desire to dig into the Word of God and find all of the admonitions yourself. But as we leave this place today, let me ask, are you a child of God? Do you know that you are born again? If your answer to this question is no then let me admonish you not to leave this place today without finding out how to be born again. Because Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James told us our life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And God in Scripture said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation.
Or perhaps the question to you is this, am I walking worthy of the Lord? Am I walking in faith? Am I walking in obedience to God the Father? Well, if your answer is no, then let me admonish you not to leave today without changing your direction, changing your course in life. For the scriptures tell us that we are not to be hearers only, but we are to be doers. And when God reveals something to us through preaching, when the Holy Spirit convicts our heart about something in our life, that is a warning from the Lord, and we are to change our direction. We are to do something about that. In a moment, we will sing, I surrender all. And as we do, if you need to be saved or if you need to make some change in your life, do not allow your flesh Do not allow the spirit of the Antichrist to keep you from making that decision. As we sing in a moment, I urge you to follow the call of the Holy Spirit and to obey that voice. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, I I honestly don't believe that I was able to bring this message out the way it needed to be brought out. But Holy Spirit, I trust that you, you got past my feeble words and, and spoke to the heart of some people today. And I pray right now that those, with who, those to whom you spoke today, I pray they would listen. I pray they would hear that call and I pray that they would act upon that. Father, do not allow anyone to leave this building today who is not saved, I pray. Help, help them to, to, to know Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us today. And we rejoice in the preaching of your word. And we pray, Lord, that all that we did this morning, all the singing, all the preaching, the giving, everything, I pray, Lord, was, was in your will and I pray is pleasing to you. Thank you for this time now as we close this time in singing. I pray that you would work in the hearts of people. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.